Hello. Yankees at Nats, opening day, July 23rd. What do you think? Well, I, I, I think you're going to see Scherzer and Garrett Cole going head-to-head. Are you excited? You? You, um, how much do you miss? Baseball yeah, I, is, I, 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 is your first sport or no? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I think, you know, we have to make the best of this. A 60-game season is very strange. I mean, you know, especially a sport like baseball doesn't tell you anything. But, look, it's the best we can do. So, uh, um, you know, I I, I still wonder whether we'll actually get to that point. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask what you you think. What's going on? Of of all the sports – which season do you think is which sports uh, attempted coronavirus season is most likely to crash and burn? I think, depending on projections, I th- I think football, both pro and college, college is real, really at risk. Yeah. College is a, is morally is an I mean, exposing yeah, yeah. unpaid that are essentially unpaid laborers to a disease that while we seem to know that it doesn't affect young people that badly, we don't really know what kind of damage it does to people's lungs, even when they don't have, uh, there's just a lot we don't know. And to, to send kids, yeah. you see Clemson has 20 or 30 kids that have it. And they're just kind of barreling forward. Uh, that's the one that's. Although I did hear oddly enough, I heard, you know, Clemson, some, a lot of these schools, they're, they're having this now. So they're saying, oh, this is good in June. So by the time we hit August, September, maybe, you know, many of our players would have been already exposed to this. Oh, that's great. That's really wonderful. Yeah, what yeah. A great no, plan. Think about it. I, I, I've, heard it, I've heard it talked about. So, yeah, yeah it's crazy thinking, of course. Ugh. And especially, how do you justify, I mean, they still haven't figured out so kids will be on campus, but mainly in on, you know online. You know, yeah, how do you socially hibernate and yet put your football players at risk? The schools, the schools in general are, are from my experience. I still don't know exactly what I'm doing in the fall. Um, are desperate to get kids on campus because otherwise they just lose so much money that they you know they it's just they have to have kids paying room and board plus you know people i I think if you offer people online classes they just they're like what am i doing like why am i doing this why why don't i just pay why you know in my case for instance an undergrad at rpi who pays 50 or 60 grand a year to take online classes right right, no and and actually have have schools actually let's say it will be remote have they actually waived room and board formally? They paid back kids room and board for the end of last semester. Oh. I know that. Yes. And they would okay. not obviously on a, pro, a prorated basis. Yeah, they can't so, charge yeah. they can't charge you for something they're not giving you. So No, of course they can't. I no, mm-hmm. I know it's a desperate you know, the, the economic model is obviously based on that. So yeah. What uh so, I, so, so in that sense, I, yeah, I think college football, just for so many reasons, is is destined to have real problems. And I, I and I just think, you know, I think hockey and basketball, they're just trying to get through their playoffs. They right. might sneak that through. They might yeah. get that. But then again, look what's happening around the country. Yeah, they're going to go to these, Florida. The NBA know, is going to be in Florida. It's the yeah, right, right. But but you know basketball hockey football these are sports dependent on people hanging all over you uh, i i i think i think this is going to blow up in some major way yeah well i mean they've been months. playing soccer in europe for a couple months now or a month maybe in the in germany now we know that germany's much more you know competent yeah. at 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 Although, although there's been, there's been an up, uptick, I think, I, I, in what Westphalia, in one of the they've I had don't... an uptick in cases. So, uh, I of course, uh, I of course uh, uh, get the the Süddeutsche Zeitung every morning on my front step, but I haven't read about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you love their their comics. <laughs> yes, right, absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah. 
but actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Just curious because you meant I, I watched a few minutes of some soccer the other day. Are they playing it any differently? Have you noticed players a little shying away from contact, uh, or is it I normal to you? Well, QPR has returned to action and lost their first two games, uh, of course. Well, that sounds normal. To, to two of the bottom right? teams on the in the league. Um, and it's very strange to watch. I haven't noticed much of a difference in terms of physicality. Um, okay. I think it's just hard, especially when you're finishing up a season. Um, you know, and they're, in the case of the league that QPR is in, they're sort of in the middle of the standings. They're not going to be promoted. They hope, fingers crossed, have enough points that they're not going to be relegated. So they don't really have much to play for. In the first two games, they played two teams with a lot to play for because they were at the bottom of the of the standings. How and many games are we talking about? I think there's like seven more. Left? I think okay. nine, eight. I think there's seven more. I think there were nine and they played two. So, you know, and there's nobody in the stands and it's weird, but... Um, were they doing piped-in crowd yes. noise? The, the yeah. Premier League I checked out the other day, look, they had... They have it, know, but they, they add it only in the broadcast. So you oh. can watch watch it without crowd noise on a different channel at uh, the QPR games. They're piping it out over the PA system. So you, that's what you're getting on TV okay. is, is that. So anyway. it's a, it's a strange world we're living in my friend. That's all. Yeah. I mean, this is just so bizarre. It is. And so, you know, baseball, I mean, again, we're going to be watching baseball with this, with these conditions. Uh, yeah. Who knows how that will play out. Right. Uh, did you ever get your oxinator, oximinator, tater? Yeah, yes, I finally did. How did it? How does it work? Uh, couple, couple, uh, you know, it, you 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 put the batteries in, and you you know, and you put it on your finger, and you know, if it, if it's above ninety five percent, you're fine. I don't. I rarely use it. I'm not. I, I'm not doing it nine times a day. I'd love. So, I, would you care to explain to me how putting something on your finger? could tell you how much oxygen there is in your blood. So you're asking me to be Mr. Science here, is what you're saying. <laughs> isn't that <laughs> odd? I mean, isn't that like, yeah, what's the science behind well, that? I, 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 I have, I, you're asking the wrong guy, yeah. but obviously, I mean, because if you go to a hospital, this is exactly what they do. Yeah, but it's so, not measuring your, you know, it's not measuring your, your pulse, or it, which is, you can understand, or no, no, your it's just temperature, the saturate, your oxygen saturation level. Yeah, That's it's what very this strange. Is. Yeah. Uh, yes, my dad's at one twenty six over sixty nine today. That's very good. So it's good for him. Yeah, That's you ready good. to good you ready number. to get to uh, one twenty over eighty? Let's do it. So uh, this we haven't done this in a while, so maybe I'll spend a little more time talking about the conceit of this show. Uh, it's been we have a lot to talk, talk about in this mid, little middle segment here because some shit has gone down in a big way since the last time we talked. Um, the show's called 120 over 80. It's a reference to healthy blood pressure. We want your blood pressure to be healthy. So we are doing this little show talking about things that make us happy, put us in our happy place, get our blood pressure to 120 over 80. We have an email address. I've, we, I've never gotten an email at it, so uh, I'm not even going to give it anymore. I have a feeling that's going to turn. I think the okay. tide will turn on that. Okay, well, then yeah. it's 120 yeah. over 80. I, to be fair, I haven't checked it in probably three weeks. 120 over 80, the number 120, then over 80 spelled out at gmail.com. And you could share with us things that you do to get your blood pressure to 120 over 80. Uh, knitting, soap making, comic book collecting, maybe you play board games. Um, and for us, those things are usually uh, sort of media, uh, what I would call in my, in my, uh, in my, cl- in the classrooms that I'm in these days, media texts, uh, movies, 
TV shows, uh, music, books. Uh, these are the things that make us happy. And sports. A lot of the, we're two sports guys, so we're going to talk a lot about sports. Um, but we've been doing quite a bit of music. In fact, it's been a while since we did sports. I think we're going to go back to that next week, next time we do it. But um, but that's the deal. And uh, every week I'm uh, going to call my friend Doug. That's the guy on the other end of the line. Uh, he lives um, on 16th Street in Manhattan. I live in Potsdam, New York, which is about half an hour from the Canadian border uh, at the other end of the state. And I'll ask Doug for, you know, we do need, because it's been, because it's been so long, uh, how's Garden of Eden holding up? Garden of Eden, which is the, the local like right. uh, place where I get food and produce, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, is basically very unchanged these okay. last months. I mean, it's still well stocked, very quiet every time I go in. It's mm-hmm. almost like I have the store to myself most of the time. Wow. They do make you put on gloves. When you come in, they they have a supply of latex gloves, and um, generally you find what you need there. Okay. I mean, the the problem I had last week was uh, trying to find uh, cleaning stuff. Oh. I, I finally hit what everyone was talking about. Oh, okay. I was lucky for for you know for yeah. some reason I had it, and it took me days just to get some kind of a fantastic or Clorox or something. Oh yeah, the the it's wipes are tough. Up here, at least, like we're now lousy with hand sanitizer. Like basically every every yeah. institution in the world has switched to making hand sanitizer, so it's everywhere. But still, it can be tough to get those like those Clorox wipes and stuff like that. Um, well, the wipe, but but I talk about the cleanser. You know, there's bottles of stuff which I didn't yeah. understand. I mean, you know, you know how in a blizzard, they you know, there's always a run on bread and milk and everything, which I've always found ridiculous because a day later in New York City, in a blizzard, the stores are open, you're fine. Even in the suburbs, you can still get it. But cleaning stuff, okay, a couple of months ago, people were panicking, and you bought 49 Ajaxes and whatever, but they last months. How could they always be out? Well, they don't ask. Unless. They don't last months if if you're... If you're, if you're, if you're stressed out about a day, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're basically taking your kids and dousing them with this stuff, yeah, because it, it, it took me four days to and going back to like Home Depots and other stores, just you know, I, they net their shelves were completely cleaned out, and it wow. took me a long time. It was yeah, crazy. Well, since we last spoke, um, we've had another sort of you know, earth shattering event, which is the, the murder of George Floyd. And then the, um, subsequent, um, protests, which many of which were in taking place in New York. Uh, You had a, for a short time, you had a curfew, uh, and you're a guy that likes to go out late. You're a, you're a, you're a, you're a, you like to be out of, you know, out at the clubs and stuff. Um, you you know, you know me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and I don't want to make light of it. I mean, it, it was, um, it was we, had a, we had yeah. a we had a we had a march here. So I live in a town of about seventeen thousand people, and there were pretty close to a thousand people at it. So the, it was really inspiring. I mean, I know there was stuff going on with looting and things like that, and it was scary in that regard. But um, the degree but that ended people very got, quickly. Yes. Really, that hasn't yeah. gone on for weeks. Are now. there still protests there? Yes, you still hear protests. Like I hear, going up or down Fifth Avenue, uh, still happens pretty frequently. There was one uh, the other day going uh, up Seventh Avenue in the middle of the day when I was out there. Sixth Avenue, uh, I saw one downtown when I was walking around, kind of like the city hall area. Mm-hmm. So no, that that's continuing uh, pretty frequently now. But none of this and, sort and of you, burning squad cars and, and no, and no. I mean, I, yeah. you do see a lot you know, a large police presence. Yeah. Whenever these marches do occur, uh, frequent helicopters overhead. That yeah. that that you do hear a lot mm. um but the, the the sense of a few weeks ago that like a city under siege it, it certainly is not happening at all right so on the one hand i mean you don't want that you don't want to live in that state 
and then on the other hand, you want the energy to stay, or I do at least. Yeah, no, uh, you do, and and it is. I mean, you, the, yeah. the political aspect of this is very heightened, and it's certainly out there. Good. Okay. Uh, well, um, so those are all good. We got the, we got the update on. Um, have you been to Hollywood Diner yet? Oh God, no, no, no. I'm 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 very wary about this whole thing. I do see oh. I, so many people. New York. Are they open the for? The se- are they seating people outside? Um, I think I saw them the other day setting up. You know, the outdoor section on Sixth Avenue. Mm-hmm. I th- I haven't seen it. I think the tables were being set up, so I'm right. sure they're they're doing that. But you can't eat inside right. yet. Okay. And you know, look, I'd love to, but uh, yeah. I'm very nervous yeah. about that. Yeah, taking yeah. your time. Okay, so today. Um, we're like I said every every week we choose or not every week but every episode we choose um, we each choose um, sort of a, a media text to talk about and um, this week special uh, we have a guest appear uh, we have a, a special guest joining us in the second half of the show the first half uh, my choice for this week is the trip series of movies starring um, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon and Doug will talk about Paul McCartney's performance atop the marquee at Ed Sullivan Theater in 2009 as part of his late show appearance with David Letterman. Uh, Doug is uh, formerly of Classic Sports, College Sports Television. That's where we met NHL Network. Uh, also where we met our guest today, uh, who's gonna, who was with Doug at that event, and we're going to welcome him in to talk about that. And uh, at some future point, this might actually be an, an entirely different podcast series, but one thing that our guest this week, I won't introduce him officially until we get to uh, get him on the phone, but uh, is your, your many walk on or not walk on. It's not, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, your extra appearance as extra, as an extra in films in the 1980s, including Bonfire of the Vanities, Enemies, a Love Story, Bright Lights, Big City. Um, so we either talk about, we're either going to talk about that in here or we might just do our own thing on that. But that was really interesting. Well, we, we, we could make that a special. Yeah. A sp- right? th- maybe yeah. that would be the best okay. thing to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But first up, uh, the trip, Steve Coogan and Rob Bride. I've not heard your Michael Caine, but I assume it would be something along the lines of, my name's Michael Caine. That is where you are right. so wrong. Let's and you can look at my let's, live video let's, for proof, let's, because let's, I, that's the do, very thing I don't do. What, I do, say do, that he do, used to talk do, like that. Do you, Michael Caine? Okay. I say, Michael Caine used to talk like this in the 1960s, right? But that has changed. And I say that over the years, Michael's voice has come down several octaves. Let me finish. And all of the cigars and the brandy don't let me finish. Right, this is how Michael Caine speaks. Michael Caine speaks to his nose like that. He gets very, very specific. It's very like that. When he gets loudly, it gets very loud indeed. It gets very specific. It's not quite nasal enough the way you're doing it, all right? You're not doing it the way he speaks. You're not doing it with the kind of... And you don't do the broken voice when he gets very emotional. When he gets very emotional indeed. She was only 16 years old. She was only 16... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Michael Caine. So this is a series of four films... Um, actually in, in the UK, they're, they're made in the UK and they're actually a TV show there, like sort of like a, a mini series. Um, but then they get edited together and, um, and are come out in America as movies. Uh, they star Steve Coogan, a pretty well-known actor who you might remember from, um, Philomena, which he had, I think he got an Academy Award nomination for. Um, he writing, was just I think. writing. Yeah. He was just screenplay on that. Yeah. yeah. He was just in a movie called that. I don't think got very good reviews, but called greed that was at least getting a lot of pub on, you know, media, media publicity. Um, so he's the kind of guy who you probably know his, his, his face if you saw it. And Rob, and actually the, the last trip movie was just released. Right. Um, well, we'll talk about during that. the pandemic. So, yeah. 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 And the other, his co-host, co-star is Rob Bryden, who's lesser known to American audiences. And uh, the first of these was came out in 2011. It was called simply The Trip. And the conceit of it was that uh, Coogan had been hired by a newspaper in London 
and he's playing himself um, loosely. Um, uh, although like his family and girlfriend and stuff are not his real family and girlfriend, but he's, he's playing himself in the movie. He's been hired by a newspaper in London to tour the North of England and stay at these wonderful, uh, bed and breakfasts in, you know, uh, little villages with the thatched cottages with thatched roofs and stuff. And, and while he's there, he's going to go to these very high end restaurants and, write reviews of the restaurants and he's supposed to take his uh his girlfriend at the time played by the uh delicious margot stilly who's in a bunch of these movies um but they it turns out they're having their relationship is on the rocks and she ends up going to america and he needs somebody to he doesn't want to go alone because he's a very sort of He's a very sort of sad, lonely, kind of a sad, lonely character a lot of times. In these There's movies. a very needy quality. He's him. very needy, yeah. yeah. And so he calls Rob Brydon a, a sort of, it's not really clear how good friends they are at the beginning of this. They they're certainly have worked together. And uh, Right, but yeah. you don't, I, I think you don't really see that, you know, that there's more a professional acquaintance, I, I'd say, more than a right. close, close friend. Right. And he says, hey, you know, I, I, if you go, I need somebody to go on this trip with me. And, uh, you know, it, it's, I'll pay you 40% of my fee that I'm getting for it or whatever. And would you do that? And he agrees to do it. And Bryden has a wife and a small child. Uh, Coogan is single, basically. And so the movie is just them driving through the north of England, um, riffing and... Um, uh, eating at these wonderful restaurants, eating this amazing food. And, you know, for me, the, but the, the main thing that makes the movie so great is the two, the relationship between the two of them who are just, yeah. they just bust each other's balls constantly, basically. And for me, I, I consider this pornography basically in that there's really no <laughs> plot. It's just, it's travel porn. It's yeah, food that, that, porn. This is. Yeah. And it's comedy yeah. porn. Uh, the, 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 the cinematography is wonderful and you got these long shots of, you know, the, the, the Yorkshire Dales or whatever, and, and these little vi- cozy little villages in, in Northern England, <clears throat> you get to look they, they, to descriptions and pictures of this amazing food that they're eating. And then you get to watch these two guys who are just brilliant and have this amazing chemistry, just, just riff basically in in you know there's just, a comic one-upping going yeah. on all the time and if yeah. you've seen it or if you've heard of it the main thing people know about it is that what they became sort of known for in the first one is doing impressions of michael kane and they're trying to outdo each other with michael kane impressions and maybe i'll splice some into the to the podcast uh, you, but, you should yeah. because the, i i did notice in watching all four of the movies that between the two of them, they each do a great Michael Caine, but they're missing sort of an as Each one misses an aspect of it. Between the two of them, it's perfect. Right. It's the perfect Michael Caine. Right. And just to see them, you know, and the way they just go on at each other about, no, 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 you're doing 1968 nasal Michael Caine. You've got it all wrong. <laughs> it, it, the, specif- the, specif- uh, the specifics of it yeah. are just amazing, yeah. you know. And they do, they do other people too. And they, there's a, it, it's, there's also this Basically great, every, every famous Brit actor yeah. of, of their generation, you and know, Roger it, Moore, Sean Connery, people like that. They, and some of them you do. wouldn't even know as an American. I mean, one, one guy they do, uh, whose name escapes me right now. He's a famous talk show host, um, over there. I forget his name, but, uh, um, they do impressions of people who, even for me, and I'm very, I'm generally very up on British culture. I don't know who they are, and it's still funny, even when I yeah. don't know who they're doing an impression of. I still think it's funny, and I still find myself saying the little catchphrases that they use. And the other part of it is that there's this, the just that, like you said, Coogan is so needy, and so self-obsessed, 
And, you know, he always, at, at every stop, he, he has to have the bigger room. He, he asks the hotel person, like, where, who, which room is bigger? He's got to have the bigger room. He's got to have the nicer room. He's got to, you know, he has to be sort of treated like a star. And he's interacting with his agents. And you could tell that he's frustrated about his career. Even though he's quite successful, you could tell he's frustrated he, about his career. Yeah, he, he he's definitely more um, show business obsessed, motivated, ambitious. Bryden seems more comfortable with his own persona. Right. So and, these are uh, movies that one thing. That, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no the ahead. one th- the one thing I, I noticed when you when you see from the first movie to the to the last is that the the, the arc in their relationship. I mean, Coogan, especially at the beginning, is essentially almost rolling his eyes at Bryden yeah. into the camera. You, right. you know, he definitely feels superior. To, to Bryden as both probably as a man, as a performer, as a comic mind and, and everything. And what I liked about watching the movies consecutively is to see the arc in their relationship. And it changes. Mm-hmm. You, you do see that growth that I think Coogan genuinely grows to, to like and appreciate him. And they actually do become good friends. And yeah. they, you, you can see the warmth that, that, that develops over the course of the movies. And, as and du- uh, it's, as, it's actually nice to see. As Doug alluded to, there's they, it was very successful, so they made three others. Uh, the Trip to Italy from 2014, which is my favorite. Uh, the Trip to oh, Spain oh. in 2017. And then just a couple months ago, uh, The Trip to Greece came out. Uh, the Trip to Greece is bad. It's like really not very good. Um, I mean, they, they said, I think, ahead, ahead of time that it was going to be the last one. And you could just sort of tell that the the, the jig is up. Like they're sort of they've sort yeah, they're, of they're, their out. emphasis on the food and it, they, yeah. their heart didn't seem to be in it as no. much. But as the others, Italy is to me the best one because you know we've already talked on the show about how obsessed I am with Italy, and just the scenery is unbelievable. And of course, Italian food is the best food in my opinion. And um, they're just driving through, you know. Uh, the, the hill the hills of Tuscany, you know, staying in castles and and eating this unbelievable food and just doing uh, impressions. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, it's and the Spain one was good too. I, I I enjoyed it enough. The Greece, I, you know, I could. Although Greece does look spectacular. Greece is I mean, that, beautiful. That never goes away. Right. Yeah. It wasn't the it wasn't the venue. It was the fact that they just. I think they just and I got was kind of pissed when I heard it was going to be the last one because I love these movies so much and I was hoping they'd go to France or uh, France seemed like an obvious one or someplace like that. Yeah, true. But uh, true. they never made it. Um, usually we like to pick um, a performance, pick out a performance um, from from these movies. I'm picking Rob Brydon. I mean, it's really a two man show. There's a few other bit characters that come in and out to the different um, movies, but. Uh, Bryden is a guy who, again, you wouldn't know as an American because he he's quite well known in um, in the UK, and and in fact, in the sh- in the movies, they sort of make Coogan makes fun of him because he's like he's kind of like the guy a guy who makes a lot of appearances on like panel shows and almost like he's like someone who would have been on Hollywood Squares here in the seventies or or right. the Match Game but, but- or something. But apparently, though, there is something he's particularly well known for, and it is pretty spectacular. Oh, his impression, uh, the little you, man in a box? or The little man in the box, which is amazing. <laughs> you have to see it just for that alone. Yeah, there's how, no... how physically he projects his voice. Yeah, he. You, why don't you describe it? <laughs> is it called a crazy. small man in a box? I think a small man in a box. Yeah, small man in a box. It's him doing something with his voice where it sounds like someone trapped in a box is talking a very to tiny you. man a very trapped tiny in a man. box yeah. down the block it's really indescribable it's very faint yeah but it it every time he does it it's hysterical yeah and even coogan who he doesn't want to laugh is laughing because it it's it's bryden's signature apparently and you know every time he encounters encounters especially in the trip to uh, in northern england because they know him he always has to do it for people whenever right. they encounter him on the road. Right, which this, this which Coogan hates hear. because he hates having the spotlight. 
take exactly. it away from him. Yeah. Um, do you have any performances in these movies that you? Well, obviously those two. I just I remember liking in you know, like uh, Coogan's assistant. Yeah. You know who he's always calling and, and Emma, has to meet them on the road in each of the pictures. You know there there are all these little small parts. Um, His son is the, in all the various all women they encounter on the road. Yes, it's it's very well cast. There's and a they're, photographer, they're, they're really nice. Yeah, a photographer yeah. that appears uh, and he sleeps with her every time. But Coogan's um, assistant, I think, really stands out. Yeah, because she's in all of them. Yeah, yeah she's good. Um, usually, we like to talk about if you liked this, you might like. I yeah, I don't know well, if you came up with. You can't really I, I've got two in particular. All right. Well, I'm just yeah. going to suggest that people acquaint themselves with Alan Partridge, who is a a character, very famous in the UK character that Steve Coogan plays. It's what he became. He was known for uh, early in his career, um, and he's done. He's still doing stuff as um, Alan Partridge, who is kind of like I would describe him as as like a, a sort of a bumbling. Like a, like a, uh, you know, but almost vain, like if I remember, vain, you know. bumbling, but has this sort of um, uh, ideas of himself, like above his station, sort of. He he thinks he's really hot. He's very shit. grandiose. I yeah, think is the um, way to describe almost it. like uh, the guy that plays the guy from like Eastbound and Down. What's that guy's name? The actor, Jody McDonald. Oh, is uh, that his name or or no? Jody McDonald's on the radio. No. No, um, um, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I know, I know. He's in that. About. He's in that yeah. movie. Um, uh, uh, with, hang on. Uh, he's in that it'll, new show. It'll the, come to us. The um, fat, the gem, righteous gemstones. Have you watched that? Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny McBride. Yeah. He always plays. Good. He's very good. He always plays the same character. Some asshole, basically, who who thinks he's really hot shit, but is like dumb as a stump. And that's kind of like that's similar to Alan Partridge and part. He's done different shows like um, one called Mid Morning Matters, Knowing Me, Knowing You. And he always plays he's a media person, a media personality. So he's hosting a radio show or a talk show or something. And it's just about what an idiot he is, basically, and all the awkward questions he asks and stupid ideas he has. And they're really good. What, what did you come up with as? as uh, well, two things hit me. First off. Their obsession with Michael Caine and Sean Connery, mm. you got to go right to the source. Yeah. A movie they're both in happens to be a great movie, John Huston's The Man Who Would Be King from 1974. What's the. Uh, based on a Rudyard Kip, Kipling story. Is it the um, Italian job? Is from the. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Is that the Italian job? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's, that becomes but like. If you want to hear Caine and Connery, what these guys are really evoking. That's it's and it's a great movie. So uh, it's an adventure tale set in India. Uh, Christopher Plummer plays Rudyard Kipling. He's a character, and uh, it's Michael Caine and Sean Connery at their most Caine and Connery. Right. So I, I mean, if you want that, and the other thing, just the last couple of years, this is a, a particular favorite of mine. Uh, when Steve Coogan did Stan Laurel. Oh and yes, John he was very Reilly good. John did yeah. uh, Oliver Hardy. Stan yes. and Ollie came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Coogan does a great job as mm -hmm. Stan Laurel. It's a very moving movie to me. Yes, yeah. it's, it's Laurel and Hardy, their last appearances together, and a tour of England to try and yeah, you know save their... get their career going again in the mid fifties amidst health problems. And I think it's just a very very good movie. And yeah. Coogan is great. As He's Stan got Laurel. real. He's got real chops. So check that out. Check out his work as uh, Alan Partridge. And I should say that Alan Partridge, most of the Alan Partridge stuff is he's writing with Armando Iannucci, who um, is the creator of Veep. So if you like the show Veep yeah. with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, which is a very funny show, uh, it's sort of in that kind of vein. So, uh, yeah, but these the uh, the trip movies you can watch on, um, I mean, I own them, but they're available on uh, Amazon prime, I think, uh, either you might have to buy them, but, uh, and they have been at different times available on Netflix for free. If you have a Netflix, uh, just, just so. so you, just so you remember, you'll be very hungry after watching them. 
So yes, yeah, because the food very is hungry. Yeah, so that's where you can catch that. Next up, we have a special guest joining us to talk about Sir Paul McCartney's performance on July fifteenth, two thousand nine, on the Late Show with David Letterman. From New York. Hello. How was graduation? Nah, graduation was pretty good. We uh, we had three of them, and well, obviously Chris only went to one, but there was about 300 kids that graduated yesterday, and uh, uh, the town did a really great job. A lot of smiling faces and uh, a lot of happy people, and it was a nice thing. And I think I've seen Kristen for about 10 minutes since graduation <laughs> yesterday up until tonight. You know, so... so. So she's out there somewhere in the world, you know, but uh, no, it was a really, Hi, Dan. Was a really nice. what's going on there, Doug? Say hello to my co-host, Doug Lippman, uh, Dan. Doug, Douglas Lippman. How are you tonight, fellas? We're good. We're good. Well, why don't we get, why don't we fill folks in on yeah, who so our, our friend Dan is D- here? Dan um, is somebody that we both met uh, while working at college sports television back in the day uh, and was, and then subsequently worked with, um, with um doug at more than one other play just the nhl network is that just the, the nhl uh, network it's the nhl <laughs> network it sort of morphed into nbc sports but really the nhl oh, right. network yeah. which is where you were we don't when... need to talk about... yes yeah. yeah we don't need to talk about the nbc sports part of it <laughs> not okay. not at all <laughs> we won't so dan dan is is an old friend of both of ours i was with doug at this um uh, at, at the event we're going to talk about, Dan, the only, the only I have one more question about graduation, and I, that is, how sure. does it feel to be a complete failure as a parent and have your daughter go to Syracuse? <laughs> Listen, Ed, the irony is not lost on me. I've <laughs> talked about this with Doug, you know. Uh, but the funny thing is, Syracuse was the first school she saw, and she came out of it and she loved it. And uh, look, it, it was a funny thing, Syracuse was uh was competitive you know and i would have bet my house that they weren't going to be in terms let's be honest and competitive in terms of money right and uh that and look let's be honest that's one of the big reasons why she's there you know but she's thrilled to be there and uh and i'm thrilled for her. i think she's going to have a great yeah, but the unfortunate thing is also the fact that uh, because of your glamorous life in television this always has looked good to her so that's why is, she's is going she, to syracuse is she to going to new, daddy's yeah. footsteps is she going to new house she is going to new house. Yeah. Oh God, you just know, what and, we need. Uh, <laughs> this is like really just what the world needs. Is another just Syracuse what the world needs. person. You know, you know, she's, I know she's, I think she would leave tomorrow morning if she could, you know, yeah. but, uh, I think, uh, she, you know, she's really looking forward to it and, uh, I'm thrilled for her. You know, she worked very hard for this and, uh, I think she's going to be fine, but yeah, you know, there were, there were a couple other schools in the running too, but, uh, I, we wrote many letters, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Syracuse was the only one that uh, that really kind of responded to the letter. So, you know, you something it's dawning on me. I'm thinking we made a big mistake years ago at College Sports Network when Dan brought his daughter Kristen into work on the <laughs> Bring Your Daughter to Work Day, yeah. and we were also goddamn nice to her. She had such a great time. It's our fault. We make look it look so did. easy. We made it look too easy. She had you such know, a great had... day hanging out with us. <laughs> it, it's our fault. <laughs> Yeah, and well, let me put it this way too, Doug. The the path that I have to get myself into Thirty Rock and wander around Thirty Rock played a part in it too. You know that was right. uh, sure. that's, yeah. that's a funny experience too. Do you still have your NBC pass, Doug? Um, I think I do somewhere. Yeah, there you go. You should go have breakfast. That that you know. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I a commissary. You, I bet yeah. you have a. You have a like a, a T-shirt from that period that you could wear, and they'd probably let you in because you keep sure. all your T-shirt, yeah, your free that, T-shirts. I got free T-shirts. I could, I could probably schlep Matt Lauer back into the building too. So, do you, know. do, do you still have your Nebraska Public Television shirt? That's the <laughs> oh, of course. of course. Oh, absolutely. I have two of them. That's Tuesdays. Yes. That's Tuesdays, Dan. Oh, the oh, the rotation. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, that's. Congratulations to the entire Moffat family on this uh, joyous occasion. But we are here today to, to to step back in time a little bit to July fifteenth, two thousand nine, and yeah. I should mention um, 
so Dan has a little bit of that um, Muriel Hemingway thing where he remembers Mar- Mary dates. Lou Henner. Henner, Henner, sorry. Mary Lou Henner. Where he remembers dates go. very well. So would you have remembered that date exactly if I had not said it? Well, I have to be honest with you guys. I I did my research today. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, so I can't uh, lay claim to that little gift. I, I did do my But what day of the week was it, Dan? It was a Wednesday. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, okay. There you go, you know. Right well, in the middle of the All Star Game break, and you know, uh, uh, you know, and uh, it was a very quiet time at the NHL, and uh, you know, I got a call from my sister saying that uh, Paul McCartney was at on top of the Letterman Marquee at about five thirty. And Doug, if you remember, it was pretty late in the day, right? You know, right. You yeah, you shocked yeah. me. You you just turned to me and said, "All right, finish up what you're doing. We're getting out of here." Yeah. So we're, what do you and... mean? Where are we going? And then he explained, we're going to David Letterman Theater. Paul McCartney's playing outdoors. I said, what? Just follow me. We're going. (laughs) Well, obviously, I I have to state for the record, Doug, you know, I was following you because, as I know Doug is aware, I'm probably the most illiterate human being when it comes to directions and moving my way around New York. So I had no way of knowing how to get to the David Letterman Theater from where oh, we Okay, so I was there for a specific purpose, so you wouldn't get yeah. lost. But you were the one. I had no idea this was going on, and you just turned to me at like around yeah. 4 o'clock, I remember, and said, Doug, come on, we're going. Where yeah, are we going? You know, and, 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 and NHL like was on Fifth you know, Avenue, Doug? right? Uh, seventh? NHL was on 6th, 6th, Sixth, okay. and uh, like 48th. And we yes. had to get over to Broadway yeah. and Fifty Third. Yeah, and, and so I had very I had easy. no idea how to do that. <laughs> but how can you have no idea how to do that? That's the great thing about New York. As long as you stay above Fourteenth Street, you get to act like like always, like you're a a, a local by because it's just it's all numbers. Well, now you're now you're questioning, you know, the forces of nature that <laughs> blessed all the Moffat men with just hideous senses of direction okay. to begin with. So all right. I need well, I need I'll, all the let help me I just, can get. Let me just put it this way. Once I had to, Dan had a, a bit of a medical thing in the city and he had a doctor's appointment in the village. Mm-hmm. I had to God. go with him. <laughs> yes. Well, you would I, have had to I, go was, with me it was, too. It was in the West Village down on Downing off 7th. Uh, yeah. D- Dan would still be wandering the streets today <laughs> if yeah. I didn't go with him. It's a good so, place to know. get lost though. Yeah. No, it, 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 you know, it, it, but when we, I remember when we, you know, when we set out, Doug. It was a beautiful night. It well, it was. It, it was, was gorgeous. It was. It was. It yeah, was just. It was, it was such know. a beautiful night. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, I remember you know heading up there. You know, you kind of when you go to these things, you know, you kind of get herded into a place like cattle. You know, mm-hmm. like you you walk up and you know you get sectioned off and and I remember feeling that way, Doug. Like you know, we couldn't go any further from where we were when we finally got up there. But it turns out our location was perfect because right across the street on Broadway, they'd set up the metal barriers and they were really packing them in. We had yeah. more freedom of movement. We we ended up having a perfect location, you know, right sort of to the left of of the theater and the marquee. So mm-hmm. it, it ended up being, you know, a, I, I didn't feel claustrophobic at all where we were. And and you know and the you know the funny thing guys i remember thinking there were two kinds of people there doug if you remember the people talking in the crowd there were there were the beatles snobs you know yes. the, the people that had obviously seen paul mccartney before and the looky loos you know the people that were just there kind of hanging out you know for the for the new york moment if you will you know and and i but i i wouldn't consider myself either one of those things but it's just funny i remember some of the chatter among the crowd Doug, you know, it's like, oh, he's not going to do this. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do this. And it's like, you know, it, I always thought it was, I always, that always kind of stuck with me because it's like, how would you even. Well, there was like, also, there was also the, not only just Beatle types, there were definitely wings types, mm. you know, people, younger people yeah. from the seventies, eighties who, you know, Paul McCartney and wings is what they knew. The Beatles yeah. was sort of this vague memory. So th- there was also that subset in the group as well how long did you you how long or how early were you we i think we were doug we were a good 45 minutes 
uh, at least say, an hour. We were able to get a very yeah. good location, and yeah, so I'd say we got there by about four thirty, quarter to five. Yeah, and I think yeah. he came out around five thirty that yeah. afternoon. Yep. yep. Yeah, and and you know it, it just everything time, you know it every it was one of those things that, you know I you know I, you know Doug knows we Doug knows that you know I'm not really a spontaneous guy, but I remember thinking, this is something that we, I want to do, <laughs> you know, and and I remember going up there thinking to myself, I'm I'm I, I'm going to be a part of this, you know, we're going to be a part of this, mm-hmm. and uh, it 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 turned into a really special thing. You know, it, it, it ended it, it up really being was. just one of those perfect New York nights. Um, Which is, can you Doug, believe we're here listening to this? It's funny you know? because that we, I think the last time we did a podcast, you you chose uh, Simon and Garfunkel's concert in the park from 1981 yeah. and basically had the exact same sentiment and also yeah. the, the weather piece, which in New York is especially in July or July fifteenth. No, I mean, I mean, it was, it was you could get really yeah. bad. You could you could be really drenched in sweat. Uh, yeah, you know, schwitzing like an Airedale in that in that situation, and apparently had perfect weather, which makes it great. And since you can see both Dan and I on this telecast several times, you would see that on me, and I'm not schwitzing at all. So yeah. obviously, no. it must have been in the low seventies with a breeze. It was perfect. So not you, you know, uh, and you know, Doug, one thing I was thinking about today, you know, when I was, I was looking at the set list, it's like there are five songs that everybody knew, you know, everybody knows they're just, you know, uh, part of, you know, Paul McCartney's history and his lexicon. But the sixth song I think was a song called sing the changes. And it's like, right. Which that nobody was a, knew. That, well, you know, it, it's funny. It got me thinking about, you know, when you go to see an artist, uh, you know, whoever they are and, and you, whether it's a band or, or or anybody and and they say well here's one from the new album and you, you know you can you can hear the air kind of go out of the room <laughs> you know when <laughs> yeah. you know people aren't there to kind of see that you know people are there to see uh you know uh you know the, the hits and uh you know it's funny but McCartney that's the amazing thing about McCartney is that uh, you know this is why this is 11 years ago you know he he turned out new products you know, fairly regularly, you know, so he was there to sell a record too, you yeah. know, and, and well, it's and interesting if you watch on, on the, on the YouTube thing, I don't know if they actually showed it on Letterman. I don't remember, but they showed the band before climbing through the window to go out onto the marquee yep. discussing the set list. And actually what they talked about was different than what we saw. There were two songs they mentioned, uh, jet from wings and they were going to do Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, but we didn't see Eleanor Rigby. Yeah. Now, yeah. Dan, why don't you talk about the songs what, we did? What were hear? the six songs? Yeah, give us the songs. Well, you know, there was uh, there was Jet, you know, and no, uh, no, 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 they were going to do Jet. They didn't do. They, yeah. Yeah. They started you know, out um, with Get Back, the Beatles. Yeah, you know, th- that's the one that that struck me. The other one that struck me was Coming Up. Now, you know, the thing yeah. about Coming Up is. It's not one of McCartney's, uh, you, you know. It's it's more on McCartney's lightweight side, you know. Uh, it, it's it, it was a hit for him. I think it was the last thing. Oh, it was a big hit. It was albums. a big hit. Yeah, and it was one of the last albums Wings ever did. But it it's definitely more of a lightweight song. But it's a song I love, and like if I hear it on the radio driving in the car, you know, I'll, I'll never change the channel on coming up and everything. And I remember when he broke into coming up, I remember just feeling like I, I can't believe that he's actually doing the song, you know, and, right. and it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, that was, uh, uh, believe it or not, out of all the songs of the songs we saw, that was the one that really kind of threw me the most. You know, you expect him to do, uh, you know, Helter Skelter. You expect him to do, you well, know. Well, uh, I didn't. Well, I, well, why do we go in? We, he first started with Get Back from the Beatles, which actually evoked the whole rooftop concert at Apple. They did that yeah. the last time the yeah, Beatles performed. Then, then they went into um, Band on the Run, correct? Yep. yep. That's a good one. If, if anybody wants to look up that on YouTube, that's a good one to see Doug and Dan. And the if you go to the uh, <laughs> the 307 and the 507 mark, I'll put it in the show notes. You can you get a good shot of them. 
Go ahead. And Doug, it's, it's a really and, and what's cool about what I what struck me about that Doug is you know the guitarist with him how he he changes he's got to take the electric off and put the acoustic on the acoustic you know, to go it, into the that middle section yeah yeah, yeah. and and, it, and, and if you if, I remember seeing uh, I remember seeing that on TV it, it didn't really register with me at, at the time but that's not easy to do you know he no. I mean it, it's this real kind of crunching beginning and he you know he's got to bust it off and go into a, like a more mellower thing and he does it he does it with ease you know well that's he did that his band him. is that's an excellent band he had with him that night yeah. um yeah. so then from the band on the run i think then he did this the sing the, the song that sing the changes and that's correct? when you know that's and that's and Doug, that's when i remember you know you could definitely feel like a pause a little bit in the energy and I think that kind of right. goes to my point. You know, you go to see people, you know, do the hits and everything. And, and they, again, though, he's there to sell a record. He's trying to get you to the new music, you know, because even at 68, you know, or whatever he was at the time, you know, he, he's trying to, you know, push product. Yeah. So and it was, was a nice melody. It, was, it wasn't a bad song. Yeah. And, uh, and from was, there he did what he did coming up. And then the ones that got to me, because I'm like, okay, enough of this wing stuff. I'm an old Beatles guy. Come on, come on. And all of a sudden, the the transition into, first he does Hendrix, Purple Haze, the intro, into Helter Skelter, of all things, which stunned me. I was like, oh, my God, Helter Skelter? I can't believe I'm hearing this. And from there... I think you mentioned the, the song that really got to you. The one that got to me is the, how they ended the set. Um, I couldn't believe I was hearing back at the USSR. Yeah. I remember turning yeah. to you in shock, I, you know, <laughs> screaming like, I can't believe I'm hearing it. I, w- I was beside myself. To in hear a good way? And you know, live. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no, I love the song. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a song, actually, I had a connection to because it... Uh, University of Pennsylvania, for many years, we would do these shows, and we we had a version of Back at the USSR at Penn called Back at the U of PA, which we always closed our shows with. So I got to sing that song, our version of it, a ton yeah, of times. So, so I always loved it, and to hear it live, you know, like that, just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I was like, a, I was a little kid, I was so excited. Sure. And you know, the, the, the thing that got to me too, and in, in thinking about it today was, you know, you go see bands today and you know, like, you know, look, I'm, I'm not going to pick on Bruce Springsteen, but there's, if you go to a Bruce Springsteen show today, there's 15 guys on stage. Or if you go see the Rolling Stones, you know, there's, there's multiple people on stage. There's different layers of voices and there's a horn section or something. You know, the, the bands that really get me are just, you know, five pieces and boom, you know, uh, and, and that's right. what this was. I mean, he doesn't he you know, he doesn't have, you know, like a big production value. It's a it's a real legitimate rock band. Well, and, and think about just, it. Remember, if you saw the YouTube thing, they were going to do Eleanor Rigby. Uh, it would have been fascinating to see. But you knew that band yeah. they could have done. And it, it probably would oh, have been sure. great because oh, that, sure. that's. Think about how to do that live, how hard that would be. And, you know, it, you know and you'd have to have the what, organ simulating the violins, and it, it, it would have been interesting to see. But I'll bet you they do he, it great live. When he, you know, when he goes into the stadium shows, I mean, he's doing 30 songs in the stadium shows. You know, if you go back and you look at some of his set lists, uh, you know, for, for things that he does when he, when he really is going outside into a stadium. And so he's doing all those songs, and but he's not doing it with with massive accompaniment, if, if that's such a word. Yeah. But it, yeah. it's it's it's, and that's the thing that I I really remember enjoying, and the sound, Doug. You know, the sound is great. Is, sound, yeah. Is is booming, and it's like, and it's just five pieces and booming, and let's go. And that's and that's really what I loved about it, that at a guy yeah. that at his age, you know, at the time that he still just at the end of the day, he just wants to go and rock. And, and that's the, and, and one of the I, things like that, I mentioned that I really before, about. I got the feeling that we're getting a second chance at seeing the rooftop concert in London at Apple in January of 69. 
It's yeah, like we're, you know. we're we're getting a second chance to see this, and we did. You know, and we, we heard and look, Beatles and, music live on a rooftop. It was great. And the history of the you know the Beatles in the Sullivan Theater. If if you go back and you look at the interview that McCartney did with Letterman yeah. when they were inside, you know he touched on all of that. You know, I mean that was a that was a monumental turning point moment in 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 rock and roll. And, you know, so he had great, you could see when you heard him talk that night, he had great reverence for the building he was in. He knew it was important. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and well that, that's why we were all there. I think you and I knew that yeah. instinctively going to this thing. This is yeah, going to be a that. big deal. So I agree know. with that. And, and Doug, um, if you remember one of the other, one of the other strange things that, that I, I, I remembered was that Bruce, you remember Bruce Willis was there with his wife. And Bruce Willis got to go up like in a in a uh, I guess I guess it was like a fire department thing. I guess they call it the bucket. And yeah, 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 and, that's true. Right. You know, I, I had yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember that. Yeah. And and so and and the funny thing is I didn't know it was Bruce Willis. I just saw this guy go up in a bucket. And uh, you know, and when you, when I watched the show that night, I, you know, you you saw that that was him. But you know, he he had a you know he had an aer- he had a bit of an aerial view. That was different, obviously, from Doug and mine's view. But, and you know, the other thing that that really kind of struck me is the coordination on the street. I mean, you know, there were buses passing by. I mean, if, if you remember, Doug, he was addressing the bus. You know, and the cabs all going yeah. down the street. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, there, there, you know, there was real. You have to coordinate when you do something like that. I mean, you're really kind of closing off the area and everything. And I think that's one of the great things about New York, just in general is that they seem to be able to pull those things off, you know, rather easily. You know, there there are, you know, there are summertime concerts, you know, pretty much all over the place in New York, but this one was definitely on a on a bigger scale because it when you move it into city blocks and you know, you're opening off areas and you know, you you're essentially you're closing down the area, it takes a lot of coordination to do that. Yeah. Well, it was a very special night and actually um I have a very personal yeah, t- so let me just jump evening. in and say that 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 the other piece of this is that you were you were at the show and somebody else was watching at home, right? Um, somebody important to you, and that that led to yeah. something else. So tell that yeah. story. So, I Dan and I say goodnight, and I'm start walking downtown. Dan heads to the Port Authority to get home, and I'm still buzzing. It was such a great night. I get on the phone and I call my sister downtown now at this point my my sister was very ill she had uh suffered actually from unfortunately what people are going through right now ARDS acute respiratory distress syndrome she was in recovery but she was never the same uh there'd been two years before and basically she was completely homebound only going to doctors never went anywhere at this point my mother and i had to go over and hang out with her this she was this was her life and she just didn't really you know she was never herself in the two years since she had been home from the hospital so i call her and i tell her you know franny you you won't believe where i just was i just saw paul mccartney on the roof of the ed sullivan theater letterman it's going to be on tv tonight it's really cool you got to watch tonight you know, and we'll talk later, but definitely watch it tonight. And, you know, she generally was fading at this point. She's on oxygen all the time, but she ends up watching the show. I get a call from my brother-in-law the next day who tells me my sister was so into it and, and it had such a kick out of watching this that she asked, she wanted to see McCartney. She got this desire. I want to see him in concert. And it just so happens he was playing uh, City Field Field, on Friday. This Mm -hmm. was a Wednesday. So my brother-in-law goes, calls up, and apparently to get field access for people in wheelchairs, you know, the special tickets. He arranges all of it. He takes my sister. They have, you know, and so she saw McCartney for two, two and a half hours. She had an amazing time. It's the last thing she ever did. She never like did anything 
outside the apartment again. And I remember it was so unbelievable to me that, that Franny wanted to do this. And I told my mother all about it. And my mother, who was not an emotional woman, started crying when she heard that Franny was doing this. She was just so thrilled that Franny had this urge to, for some reason, this got to her. And so, she, and Franny had a wonderful time at the concert Friday night. And, you know, it's basically the, the last thing she ever did before she died. That's a... So, you know, this, the, the memory for me is just so heightened by yeah. that. Yeah. Understandably. You didn't go to the show. No, 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 because you're you're very restricted. It's not like you can have a group of 10. It's yeah. like the person, the handicapped person and the person attending them, you know. It was Yeah. But they got right up. He he was playing out on the field a la the Beatles at Shea Stadium, mm -hmm. and so they got very close. That's where they put all the people in the wheelchairs. So Franny had a great view and the sound was great. And uh, it was an amazing set list. I mean, mostly Beatles songs, which was perfect. Have either of you ever, have you been since or had you been before to see McCartney or any of the Beatles or any any of that stuff? Doug, had you gone uh, before? This was, my only, this was my only time ever seeing, uh, I never saw Harrison or Lennon. No, this was my only Beatles experience live. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was mine too. It was mine too. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really treasure it, you know, and, and, you know, when you, when you think of, you know, the impact that the Beatles had, you know, I mean, the, the Beatles have impacted, you know, everything. And, uh, it, it just, it was a special thing. There've been a couple of times I've tried to see Ringo. It just hasn't worked out and everything, but. And those shows uh, are good. Those all-star band shows. Yeah. I've heard are very good. Yeah. Yeah. But and, another and, thing I have to add. It was also, obviously, to me, a very special evening because of who I was with. The fact that I shared this with Dan, and mm -hmm. we're talking about this now, and we'll probably talk about this 10, 20 years from now. It was just the fact that I was with Dan just made this an altogether special right. night as well. And, it, it, and you know, like I said before, it, I, I'm not the most spontaneous guy in the world. I think my first instinct always was to just get on a bus and come home. Right. You know, but this was something this was something that just kind of leapt out of me when my sister told me about it. It was like, I'm not going to turn this down, you know, because I knew that the Letterman studio was was not far away. And and obviously it's not and everything. And uh, and I and I share the same sentiment to Doug, because I know that, you know, uh, he he appreciates those things. And and maybe even more important, I know that a guy like Doug, he appreciates New York moments, you know, and. And this was a kind of a quintessential New York moment, and and uh, I and I think you know when you think about the times now, and everything, you know, you you know you definitely wonder, you know, if if you're ever going to get a chance to kind of go back to those things. I hope we do. You know, I was looking at the yeah. tape today, and everybody everybody's bunched up against everybody else. I mean, I'm standing next to Doug, and suffice to say, yeah. neither one of us at the time were thinking about sick. Or wearing a mask and everything so it, it's, it's and, and the thing of it is if you look at everybody in that crowd they all have these huge shit-eating grins on their faces <laughs> yeah yeah you know, it's definitely it, it, a, like, an, an innocent it's... thing yeah yeah well on that note um you can uh if you google just google paul mccartney uh late show at Sullivan theater. And you can, there's a series of videos. Uh, I think all the songs are available. Uh, yeah, if you sure go to are, the yeah. one, the one that starts with band on the run, uh, and ends with helter skelter. There's a couple of shots, one at three Oh seven and one at five Oh seven of Doug in a, in a lime. There were many, actually a lot of people wearing lime green that day. It was harder for me to pick you out than I thought. <laughs> it would not be. as you loud as that. mine. Mine was particularly lime green yes i thought in his sunglasses in summer attire at the national hockey league there you go there yeah you go, that's right and uh mr moffat is right next to him in a in a in a right golf so shirt about a head taller a, a bag a strap dance a big guy he's a purple shirt much yeah. bigger than me so you can't miss us no it's no, good it's, it's, it's worth the watch definitely he, there they were it was a good performance i mean for a guy pushing 80 uh 
to uh, be able to perform on top of a marquee out in the open, the sun beating down uh, like that is pretty. I mean, I'm always impressed with these people like Mick Jagger and people like that who just seem to have like boundless amounts of energy. But it's, uh, it's definitely and I think that I think you also, you know, you have to appreciate these moments now really more than more than ever before, because, you know, let's be honest, these guys are kind of aging out. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that that's the thing that makes it so special to me was that I, you know, that he, I got to see him and, and I snuck him in, you know, and uh, look, I hope he makes music forever and ever. But I, I think that, you know, I, I can't guarantee that he's going to play the top of the mark. He's going to do that ever again because he probably won't. And that's right. OK. Well, Dan Moffat, you were our first guest. How was it? as an experience. I think I did. Okay. I, I, I think yeah. I did. Did I do okay? Was, yeah. You brought a lot to the yeah, table. You did great. Did you enjoy it? I hope. Of course I enjoyed it. All right. I'd come to talk about anything with you guys. Of course I enjoyed it. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, at the end here, we just like to say what, what's next for Doug and I on the next episode. Uh, Doug has chosen the, he's sticking with music. He, he's in a, I guess the mood you've told me is the mood you're in is just, is this will be the like a third or fourth me, music for some reason music is speaking to me yeah and the beatles he's gonna we're gonna watch a hard day's night the uh nice. feature film debut of the beatles and in honor of our guest and his daughter uh i'm going to rewatch 13th seated vermont against fourth seated syracuse <laughs> in the 2005 ncaa andy, tournament yes andy without a doubt andy my all-time favorite cstv moment Yes. Was sitting next to Andy Elric during Vermont and Syracuse. That I'll go to my grave. That was my all-time favorite CSTV moment. Watching well, Doug Andy leaving the room <laughs> and coming back, and Andy leaving yeah. the room, yeah. and I didn't and even go back. there. <laughs> that was, it was the hometown I mean, team. Yeah, you know no, that, that was one of, of the. Well, the NCAA yeah. tournament is work atmospheres, and is particularly at a sports network. We're all of us, yeah. and, and to, see, yes, to see Andy, this had particular resonance for Andy. Yes, it'll be fun reliving that with him. And I looked yeah. it up today, and you actually, as a, as a newly minted Syracuse fan, Dan, you don't have to worry about it because it turns out the game didn't even happen because the Orange had to vacate that appearance oh, uh, for, for some of their gosh. many indiscretions. So, there so does go. that mean if our next podcast we talk about this, it doesn't really, we're not really doing a podcast? Yeah, it's too existential for me. I can't. It's too okay, late. Okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it. The heavy guys, there was incredible. Thank you, guys. There you go. Okay, thank guys. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. Pennies in a stream Falling leaves A sycamore Moonlight in Vermont I see finger waves Ski trails on a